Hello and welcome to Servant's Heart Chapel. I am Pastor Daryl, and I hope today's episode is a special blessing to you. If you have your Bible, you can turn to John John chapter 5. We're beginning, we're beginning uh, around verse 16. <clears throat> I'm going to uh, quickly uh, start off in John chapter 8. You don't need to go over there, but in John chapter 8, Jesus gets into a heated argument with some Judeans, after accusing him of being demon-possessed, they harshly ask him, or brashly ask him, Who do you think you are? Jesus is happy to answer. He said, Before Abraham was, I am. Now to our own ears, that may be no big deal, maybe a bit confusing. I am what? I am who? It sounds it sounds like a, a fragment sentence where he just stops midpoint. But no, he didn't stop. That was a complete statement that had a tremendous impact on the Jewish people at that time. Because to the Jews who remember the story of their ancestor Moses and how Moses met God, And the God that Moses met happened to go by the name I Am. Because Moses had asked I, God, who should I say has sent me when I go to my people, uh, uh, the Israelites, and tell them that uh, I'm going to have them do a bunch of stuff. I'm going to have them leave Egypt and all this. And, and he said, tell them I Am has sent you. So they knew exactly what Jesus was alluding to. He called himself I am, the very same I am that God who presented himself uh, to Moses. In essence, Jesus was saying, remember Moses? Yeah, that was me speaking from that burning bush. They knew exactly he was claiming to be God. And that was blasphemy, and they were ready to kill him for that. They picked some stones to do that. Jesus, uh, all through his, uh, and, and back to, going back to, and we're, we're going to stick with uh, John 5 from here on out. But in John 5 here, beginning with verse 16, Jesus had just healed a man. And, and at this point, as we go through it, we're going to see that he plainly asserts who he is in four main points. We, he points out that his ability to heal came from his union with the Father. He had a relationship, a connection with the Father. 
Number two, his ability to heal demonstrated his power over life. And we're going to go over this in detail. I just kind of wanted to give you a, an overview. His ability to heal demonstrated his power over life. And the third uh, I, 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 assertion he made was his claim to possess his power was not a lie as it was proven by the miracle. The miracle was evidence to the reality of his claim. And for the real reason the people were there rejecting him was not because they knew the scriptures so well. It was because of their own pride. <clears throat> and we're going to get into that a little more later. So there's four assertions that he makes. Talking about his divinity, the reality that Jesus is God. This is something that Christians have believed from the very beginning. In fact, a, a Roman magistrate, an influential lawyer named uh, Pliny the Younger, who lived at the turn of the first century, so a little less than 70 years after Jesus rose from the dead, he wrote a, that the first Christians, the Christians of that time, sang hymns to Christ as to a God. So for a very long time, Christians have, uh, have believed and, 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 uh, and, and said that Jesus is God and believe that and, and live that way. And that's been one of our major, most significant doctrines in the church. So why, why bother preaching on the divinity of Christ? After all, if you're a Christian, it kind of goes without saying, you would think. Well, unfortunately, not really. Almost from the very beginning, while the apostles were still alive, there was a, a, a movement of Christianity that was a false Christianity that was already starting to develop called the Agnostics. And one of the things was they... they I, did not believe that Jesus was God. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say that there's a movement in modern Christian churches now that teaches that Jesus was a good example for us to follow, but nothing more than that. He just happened to be a human that got it right. And that he didn't actually die for our sins. He was just the victim of some evil men. And there was no higher purpose to his death. And that is some of the things that is being purported right now. Brand new books are being written about it. Articles being written about it. It's been shared on, being shared on podcasts and social media. I believe it's, it, 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 it's important for us to affirm this fact that Jesus is God and shares an eternal relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. So let's get into this, beginning with verse 16. <clears throat> 
Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. That was He had just healed a man on, on the Sabbath. The Jews, that was a Saturday. And, and they had laws against any kind of work on the Sabbath. And, and they were giving him a hard time because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. Verse 17, but Jesus responded to them, My father is still working, and I am working also. Yes, God rested on the seventh day after creation. And, and the Jewish people... Uh, instituted by God when he had uh, developed his, his testament, his contract with the people of Israel, uh, they, would, they would keep the seventh day holy. But when, uh, and so the seventh day, the Saturday, um, that's a Sabbath, uh, Jewish Sabbath. Uh, but when, when Christ rose from the dead on Sunday, from, from the very beginning, Christians began uh, celebrating the first day of the week as the Christian Sabbath. The, the, the days celebrating Christ's resurrection. We do celebrate Easter, right? That's a big day on Christ's resurrection. But really, every Sunday is a celebration of Christ's resurrection. I think it's a great way to start the week. Remembering that Christ rose from the dead. I'm about to start a new week with, with work and, and school and everything going on in our lives, and all the challenges that we're facing, remembering that Christ has victory over sin and death. Maybe even remembering the words that Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation, right? What's the rest of it? But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world, right? And 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 so this so we, we celebrate it. And and Christians and, and their attitude and and how they go about I Sunday I, I, I it can go one of two extremes. And I've seen both extremes. I've seen the legalistic side where there's so many rules that, that one is kept from doing what is right and robbed from blessings. Jesus was dealing with this. They gave him a hard time for healing a man on the Sabbath. People can have all these different rules on what you can or can't do on Sunday. If it keeps you from doing God's work, it's not good. If, if, if Sunday becomes a, a, uh, a burden, there's something wrong. Other way they can go is... is, is the, the liberal side have so few rules that one doesn't do what is right and is kept from receiving the blessings. The 
And one guy just told me recently, oh, I, I believe I can, I can worship God anywhere. But he misses out on the blessings that God has for those who, who, who decide I'm going to find a church family and I'm going to I develop a relationship with them and, and encourage each, you know, work with, I'm going to participate in that, in that encouragement and sharing of burdens and, and help. I'm going, to, I'm going to be part of that. I'm going to be held accountable. They miss out on all that. We see right a lot of people uh, during the pandemic who thought, oh, I can just have church from home. I got a lot of friends throughout the U.S. who are pastoring churches that have at least one or two that are like that. I'm not talking about saying them for health reasons. They just don't, want to, don't feel like like I can just have church from home. It's just convenient. But they, when we're by on ourselves uh, on our own, it's really easy to let our thinking go astray and to start. I. Uh, Allowing sin into our hearts, and, and it's really easy to rationalize it when we're when we're just by ourselves. And so there's, there's a value to coming together. There's a value to rest. I one young lady not uh, just recently. She she works all the time, and she's like, I, I just don't have time for church. I don't have time for any of that. And I'm like, wow, that's, I'm, I'm so, I, I didn't tell her, I felt sorry for her. Because she's so tired. God in, in, intended a, a day of rest not to be a burden to us, but to be a blessing to us. Where we can just relax and take a breather. My sermon done this morning. Everything was done, and and so I just relaxed this morning. I took a nap before church. I read some books, listened to some music. I ate food I shouldn't have eaten. I'm gonna have some more food shortly. There's a blessing to it. But notice here, Jesus is saying, yes, there's a blessing to, to honoring the Sabbath. But there, there were so extreme, you can't do any work. And, and Jesus points out, my father's still working. God took a break from creation, but... He never stopped the work of preserving and governing the universe. God knows exactly what's going on. Knows all these birds out here that are singing right now. He knows exactly what's going on with all of them. None of them get sick without him noticing. I had a... One friend at, at, at the, well, the guy in charge of our security uh, at, at God's Bible School when I was working in security back then. Uh, he was an older man. He was a former sheriff's deputy. 
Uh, and so he knew some things about security, which is great. Uh, but he, he decided to let the guys that normally work security on Sunday morning go to church. He, like, he thought, God won't let anybody break into cars if everybody goes to church. Well, the reality is God lets people break into cars if you go to church. And don't let him leave the cars unprotected, which is what happened to his own son's car. Sometimes we need things. Some people need to work. I went to war and worked on Sundays because war doesn't take a Sabbath. I appreciate our doctors and our nurses who work on Sundays taking care of people who are sick and injured. I appreciate our police officers and firefighters who work to keep us safe on, on Sunday. And I do everything I can to support that. Support, you know, if, if they need a church service at 3 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at night, I'm, I'm there. Because I want to support them. Jesus made it very clear, makes it very clear later that you know Sunday was made for us, not us for Sunday. But that's not the point he's making here, and I need to get going, otherwise this sermon's going to be really long. Jesus, his father was working. He pointed out that God the Father is still working, still preserving, still governing. Jesus was doing the same by confronting the wretched and saving the lost. And healing, this is the healed this man. I'm just doing what God the Father does. Verse 18, this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. You see, this is blasphemy, calling himself equal with God, that's blasphemy. Unless it's true. What evidence does the Bible provide? Jesus telling the truth. Well, we see uh, that Jesus demonstrated supernatural knowledge. I mentioned last week with the man Nathaniel. He saw Nathaniel, knew what was going on, knew he was a good and honest man. Before he even met him. Jesus exercised supremacy over the natural world, as we, we saw when he stilled the, the storm in Galilee. Peace be still. He had power over the spiritual world. We, we saw him healing people of demonic possession. You see that he had authority in declaring what is right. He continually said, but I say unto you, and made it and, and preach with authority. As they said, they said he pre, they were surprised at him because he preached with authority, but he didn't preach like the scribes did. He forgave sin. Jesus had the power to give life, as we saw when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Accepted worship as God. The most significant proof. He himself came back to life. 
Verse 19. Then Jesus replied, I assure you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does these things in the same way. Jesus is, is here, is following the Father's example in the face of opposition. And here we see in this situation that his opposition was the, the Jewish leaders. We too are to follow God's example in the face of opposition. In our time, our opposition are, for the most part, anti-religion zealots who will do anything they can to silence us. They want to keep us from meeting in church. They want to keep us from telling others about Jesus. They want to keep us from praying or reading the Bible in public. They want to keep us from teaching our children Christian values. They want to keep us from maintaining biblical values in the public square. And what are we to do? Well, I think we should follow Christ's example. And continue to do what God would have us do. We don't look for a fight, but we don't allow cowardice to keep us from doing what is right. Let's go to verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him everything He's doing. He will show Him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. You'll be amazed. If you, if you will give God a chance, He will amaze you. I have been amazed at how God has given me victory over sin. That has amazed me. In areas of my life, I felt completely powerless, and God gave me the ability. I've been amazed that God has given me joy in all circumstances. No matter what's going on. I've been amazed how God has always taken care of us. And I've been amazed at the man I became from the man I was. Verse 21. And just as the Father raised the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to anyone He wants to. Jesus gives life. If we come to Christ, He will give us life and give it more abundantly, He said. He wants us to have an abundant life.
verse 22, the Father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all people will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Notice both the Father and the Son have common acts and equal power. More, evident of Christ, more evidence of Christ's divinity. And so we're to honor Christ as we honor the Father. To honor is, in the case you didn't know, is to regard with great respect. How do we honor Christ? We honor Christ with our time. Giving Him our time daily. And personal, personal devotions and And in corporate worship. Honoring Christ with our talents, whatever talent and ability God has given you, we should honor Christ with it. Find ways to, to uh, show our respect and appreciation for Him. Honor Christ with our body, what God has given us, to glorify Him. Honor Christ with our money. To use it for His glory, His will. Honor Christ with our heart. To love God, right, with all our heart. To have Him first in our life, above all things. Verse 24 I assure you, anyone who is my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. So here we have the gospel, the very essence of the gospel, believe and live. Another, we have major concepts and such significant principles, concepts in this one verse. We have the gospel. We also have judgment. Which is the alternative to life. We have death, which is the former state, and, and then life, which is the new state through Christ. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment. I want to be in the eternal life category. Because, uh, verse 25 here, I assure you an hour is coming and now is, is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father 
has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself, and he has granted him the right to pass judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, because the time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, and those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of judgment. That verse 28, talking about don't be amazed or whatever your translation says, uh, really means that they're having difficulty believing what he's saying. That's, that's what is going on. And so he's saying don't balk at what I'm saying because something even more wonderful, more mind-blowing is going to happen, the resurrection of everyone who has died. Everyone in human history, they're coming back to life. And some are going uh, to, to the resurrection of life, and the other are going to the resurrection of judgment. Verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. I... I like, hang on a second. There's a day coming when we will be standing before God and giving an account about every word we say. Let's make sure we're ready. Let's confess and forsake our sins before the Lord and just have a clear heart before Him, and, and do, every day endeavor to live in obedience to God. Back to uh, verse 30. But I can do nothing of my own. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was fully surrendered to the Father, so we should be. We should only be doing what is pleasing to God. And you might ask, what if I don't know what's pleasing to God? And simply look for an answer. Look in God's Word. Ask God for guidance. And what if I still don't know? Then don't worry about it. If there's, God doesn't trick anybody into making the wrong choice. If there is something specific God or does or does not want you to do, He will let you know. Verse 31, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. Basically saying if the Father doesn't support me, I'm a liar. But we know that God does support him. Verse 33, you have sent messengers to John, and he has testified to the truth. 
I don't receive man's testimony, but I say these things that you may be saved. John has said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And God the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Here we have the testimony of God and man. In verse 34, Jesus is saying, I don't need John's testimony. Clearly, God's testimony is sufficient. I didn't need it. This is for your benefit. Because they... They had a lot of respect for John for, for a time. In verse 35, John was a burning and shining lamp. And for a time, you're willing to enjoy his light. There was a significance to that. Back in that time, uh, a, a prominent doctor in Israel was called a lamp of Israel. And so Jesus gave this, this turn to John. And I'm sure others did too. They had a lot of respect for him for a while. They were they were willing to 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 hear him for a time before they were finally done with him. And people are are usually willing to hear truth for a while, but soon the grading of truth against the condition of their heart becomes too much. And then they, they, I'm seeing on videos even, even now, uh, uh, people who are screaming and cussing and, and even clamping over their ears because they don't want to hear the truth. Most people aren't that uh, aggressive, obvious. They want, uh, most just, Stop being available. The one man who who regularly met with me every single week, we met and talked about what was going on in his life, and and you know he was he was wanting to follow God and 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 do the right thing and all this stuff. And in our conversation, a a, a sin came up that he hadn't mentioned before, and it was pretty evident he didn't want. He didn't intend for me to know about that. And after that meeting, he suddenly was too busy for meetings. It's a very dangerous place to put yourself. If you shut out the light... How can you see? Let's go verse side. Let's finish up here. Verse 36. But I have a greater testimony than John's because of the works the Father has given me to accomplish these very works. I am doing testify about me that the Father has sent me. The Father who sent me has himself testified about me. You have not heard his voice at any time. And you haven't seen his form. You don't have his word living in you because you don't believe the one he sent. 
You don't have his word living in you. Some translations use the word abiding. How is it possible they didn't believe? Because the word was not abiding in them. We were just talking about the word abiding in connection group. Abiding means to be with, to be connected with, but it's more than just that. It's also to accept, to receive, and and there's a permanence to it. It's not wishy-washy. We have to be to 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 abide in God's word is to receive it, internalize it, believe it, make it part of who we are, and it's a permanent, lifelong endeavor. So you can, that's how you can have somebody who is a Bible expert and be far from God because the Word would never, never soaked in and never abided in them. This is these men who knew the Bible, knew the Old Testament front and back. But they did not believe in Jesus. They rejected everything the Old Testament was saying about the coming Messiah. Verse 39, you pour over the Scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. Yet they testify about me. Verse 40, and you're not willing to come to me so that you may have life. I do I I do not accept glory from men, but I know you that you have no love for God within you. I have come in my Father's name, yet you don't accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, you'll accept him. How can you believe? While accepting glory from one another, you don't seek the glory that comes from the only God. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote about me. Moses wrote about Jesus. But if you don't believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Well, where where did Moses, we're going to close with this, where did Moses uh, write about Jesus? Well, first is Genesis chapter 49. Chapter 49, verse 10. The scepter will not depart from Judah or the staff from between his feet until he, until he whose right it is comes and the obedience of the peoples belongs to him.
Some translations use the word Shiloh until Shiloh comes. Talking about Jesus. And also there's Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Verse 18. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. I'm talking about Jesus. And I'm the only one who thinks that there, there's... Passage, I didn't write it down, but there's passages in Acts that reference Deuteronomy. Where the apostles say, this is the prophet Moses was talking about, Jesus. He is Lord. And every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's stand. Well, that's all for today. I hope it was a blessing to you. I do have one more thing to add. Uh, I have recently published a book entitled Stop Poisoning Yourself, Finding Joy in All Circumstances. Few of us realize the impact our, our thoughts have on our daily lives how it impacts our emotions, our relationships, including our relationship with God. Uh, in this book, I, I go through, it's a very short, easy to read book. I go through what the Bible says about it, how and what we can do uh, to eliminate poisonous thoughts in our lives. So to, if you're interested, go check it out on Ken, uh, Amazon Kindle's website. You'll find it there. Just search for Stop Poisoning Yourself by Daryl Underwood. Enjoy your week. Have a wonderful day.